Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I am your host, Damon Martin, and today I am joined by one of my oldest friends in the industry. He is a legend in his own right, and he just recently retired, so he's uh, he's living that uh, he's living that retirement life these days. Uh, the great Joseph Benavidez joins me today. Joe, how are you? What's up, man? Doing very good, very good. Um, just relaxing, like retired people do. <laughs> <laughs> am I? Am are we allowed to talk about your tra- your crazy travel schedule for this weekend? Are we allowed to talk about that publicly? Oh yeah, just- <laughs> yeah. I would I I would talk about it because you know. It's really just bragging on the on the quote, the greatest wife ever. It's kind of her travel schedule, I guess. You know, I'm just uh, tagging along as that trophy husband. <laughs> going from <laughs> going from UFC 266 on Saturday night, which pay per views in really late. They're they're you know super late at night yeah. when you get done working, and and obviously Megan was working the events. And then flying to Jacksonville to cover the NFL on Fox, of course, her other gig. Uh, man, yes. that's insane. Like, I know how tired I am after covering a fight for a day. Uh, I don't want to do anything on Sunday, much less stand as a sideline reporter for the NFL. So, yeah, she definitely earns that quote status. Yeah, dude. Honestly, it was. I never doubted her for a second. But obviously, you know, like, oh, my God, are you all right? What can I do? All that. And, like, I was just happy to you know, tag along and, and, and be here uh, with her, watch her. I'm obviously, like, so proud. I honestly feel like it's an unprecedented move, what she did, you know. Um, for one, those UFC pay-per-views, like, you know, like, those are those are 15-hour days when you have to get there, set up for media, you know, with her job, with the rehearsals and everything. But even just the week of a pay-per-view is crazy so she was there that day doing a Q&A in the fan village before then to rehearsals then her 12-hour day with the UFC you know and then we literally sprinted out the arena you know sped on the craziest route to the airport sprinted to the gate you know slept two hours on the plane then she's on the sidelines ready to go killing it for another major sport on another network and that's honestly what I think is amazing it's like two separate things you know two separate relationships both major sports and um yeah so when we finally crashed out after this you know it was a 16 hour slumber um <laughs> but like i said i'm just so proud of her like obviously i'm her husband so i'm gonna brag but i'm like no one else can do what you're doing and no one else has and i was just i was just amazed so i'm kicking it man but yeah it was a it's been a it's been a great time Absolutely. Well, Joe, before we get in, we're going to talk about UFC 266 from this past weekend. Uh, of course, two crazy title fights and the return of Nick Diaz against Robbie Lawler. We're going oh. to get all into that. Oh. But but of course, 
having you on today. Uh, we wanted to talk about, you know, your retirement, your announcement that you're retiring from the sport. Uh, I know we talked, you know, briefly right as the announcement happened, but of course I wanted to have you on the show to talk about everything. So, uh, kind of give, kind of give me a sense of like, you know, how this all came about. You seem pretty resigned in the decision. Didn't seem like it was like a spur of the moment thing or, you know, yeah. uh, you know whatever, but kind of walk me through the, the decision to retire. Well, Honestly, this goes all the way back. I would say after my last fight, I knew I wasn't going to fight. But to be honest, um, this goes all the way back to before my last fight. Before my fight with Askar, um, I actually wanted that to be my last fight. Um, I, I knew that was going to be my last fight, like through training, through my camp, you know, the walkout and everything. Like, like I changed my walkout song even, and it wasn't like a, an intentional, like, retirement song or anything but it was kind of like oh like it kind of spoke to it was some it was a song i always wanted to walk out to billy joel the entertainer and um yeah i like knew all through and like after the fight i really knew it was the right choice because the way i kind of like felt in there um i didn't want to feel like that again and the competitor in me was kind of like oh no like you know the feeling being like I was, I'd never been scared, honestly, in a fight in my life, no matter what I was doing, who I was fighting, how big it was. And I wasn't necessarily scared of Askarov or anything. You know, he's not like an intimidating guy. I mean, no, I mean, fought everybody, but I was like scared to lose. And I've never felt that before. Like, you know, I let it all out. And, you know, if that ends in a loss, it does. But I know like I gave it everything and i have like nothing left and i take the chances but i was almost like so scared to lose that like i didn't try and win you know it makes sense like it takes like the possibility of losing you know to try to win but i was just like getting through it you know what i mean like almost like couldn't wait for it to end and like i've never had a, a problem like letting loose and scrambling and trying hard and you know um doing all that stuff like giving my all out there so I was just kind of like, man, like my decision, my mind was right. You know, the reason I wanted that to be my last fight, like I had fight offers before that, but Askar was one of those guys is like the crazy thing with the, like I've been around this division since the beginning. So it's like, I fight a guy, I had like a relationship one on the ultimate fighter or like the second even wave of that is guys that like used to watch me in high school, like with their dad. Or like look up to me so it's just kind of like Askar was the one guy for one he was the highest ranked and I only want to fight the best guys they didn't have a fight but he was also the one that was like all right at least he's a little older there's no connection there's no like you know anything and I honestly wanted to win that fight and go out on top you know in this sport nothing never goes as planned you know you can't plan anything in this sport but it was like look I want to go out beating an undefeated best guy in the world and have nothing else to prove I lost and, but I feel the same way. I was like, I still have nothing to prove. Like that was my last fight. And if anything, it kind of helped me, you know, and I was glad I came out safe. Cause, and I don't have to keep dragging on a career for money or for anything. Like I just talked about my wife earlier. Like I don't have any pressure, you know, I was had a good career, was able to save money. I don't have any pressure to stay around and do it. So um, yeah, man, that that's, I guess the basis of it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had a conversation with uh, Michael Bisping a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about all the things he's been doing since he retired. And, 
you know, he basically, you know, more or less said, you know, he, he knew the, the horror stories of, of fighters who just don't know when to walk away. And we've seen that. I mean, listen, unfortunately, there's a cautionary tale time and time again where, you know, guys or girls, you know, that, that are greats, all-time greats, that just, they don't want to walk away. And I get it. There's a competitive thing there. It, it doesn't even go into money all the time. Sometimes it's just about money, but other times it's just a competitive thing where they just don't want to lose that that feeling that it's hard to walk away from that feeling of being in the cage and walking to the octagon, those kind of things. And he just said, at some point you have to walk away and know you're done. Um, you're leaving as a top five, you know, flyweight in the world. You're not leaving off of, you know, eight losses in a row or you're suffering through some really bad knockouts or anything like that. Like, was that important to you to walk away on your own terms? Not when people are saying, man, I really hope Joe doesn't fight again. Because unfortunately, we've had those conversations with other fighters, and it's sad. And I hate, I hate having those conversations. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I just like was going hard on my nose, and I, I was so comfortable, Damon, <laughs> that I didn't really think about the fact that I had my thumb all the way up my nose. So I'm sorry for the viewers, <laughs> That's but all we're right. friends, so I can do that in front of Damon. But you guys are all my friends now too, apparently, because you saw me pick my nose. But um, no, yeah, it actually was very important. Like. And you know what? It, it's a it's a weird thing because, you know, look, like some fighters like are happy to be in the UFC, some happy to be in the top 10. You know, like that's a goal for people. To me, I'm lucky. Like I could fight in the top 10 for years to come. Do I want to like go fight? Like I said, like a guy I coached on The Ultimate Fighter or a guy that, you know, used to watch me with his dad after high school. Like it doesn't really, you know, motivate me to fight because this has always been a thing that it was fun to me. You know what I mean? It was never felt like a job. And then, you know, the other goal was to be the best that didn't happen. So it was like, all right, it's going to be a job. Like when I wrote down my list of lies, it was literally just like a paycheck, which, you know, isn't, wasn't the most important thing to me. And I just, yeah, it's sad. Cause it is, you know, to some people and sometimes you see him drag it out too long. Um, so yeah, it was just important to me to, um, to be able to, to walk away on my own turn on my own terms, you know, still knowing I can compete, knowing I feel fine to compete in the top 10 in the world. But um, yeah, I think, like I said, a lot of that happens because it happened because, you know, I had a good career, you know, I have a sugar mama or a boss <laughs> wife or whatever, which is great, you know, so I didn't have the pressure to do that. And I can just kind of get out and um, find something else I love with no real pressure to do, you know, anything rush into teaching privates or a warehouse job or anything like that. But yeah, it was always just something I want to do. Like I said, my grand master plan was to go out on a win, you know, but it's almost like losing, not easier to go out on because you still have to lose, but it's kind of like, like, um, well, at least that makes sense. Like, you know, like, I was out on a loss or whatever. Like, I'm not going to be, you know, do this part and, you know, be the best. So, oh, yeah, it kind of is time to go. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard. Like, this sport's tough because the only way to, like, know you shouldn't fight anymore is to, like, get beat up. And that's tough. It's not like an artist or a act or, a, you know, a singer-songwriter that's like, ah, oh, my creativity's not there anymore. Oh, might as, like, not going to sing anymore. No, like, you have to get beat up. So, you know, I'm glad I got out pretty good, and it wasn't, like, a thing where people were like, oh, no, he got knocked out five times, you know, anything like that. So, yeah, man, like I said, it was important just to walk away. I have a 
ton of other interests that I want to follow. And I was like, well, I can't really follow those until I'm done. And, you know, you just got to know when it's time to go. And, you know, uh, I'd been feeling it for a while and it was just, just at that, that time. Yeah. It feels like, and, and we, and again, we also know the other side of this is, you know, uh, we kind of joke about it, but it is also a real thing about the quote unquote, you know, MMA retirements, you know, you're only retired until your next fight offer because that seems to be you know what happens. But uh, I told a couple of people when, when, when the announcement was made, I said, I feel like Joe's one of those guys who will stay retired. Like, I feel like you're not the kind of guy who's going to make the announcement and then suddenly change your mind six months from now. Like, it feels like that's something you would have really thought about uh, because I know yeah. that's how, you know, I know that's how you're like, I don't see you being the guy that's like six months from now, they're going to offer you a fight. You're like, you know what? I'll just come back. Like, I feel like if you're retired, you're a guy who knew you were retiring and, and you made yeah. that decision. No. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Cause even this weekend at the fights and everything, people are asking me, well, you didn't like get out of the USADA pool or anything. Like you could still fight if you want, or you should go do this. Like you should go make money with Triller and just like do it. But the thing is, is like, I've actually known I was going to be retired, like I just said, for a while. So I thought all this through. Like, basically, after my last fight, you know, I lost. And I wasn't going to go, hey, I'm retired. Because not that it would have been emotional, because I even knew before, but I still gave it time. I was just kind of like, all right, I'm going to give it time. Like, what if in a month I train and I'm just like, oh, my God, like, I miss this. It's still in my – because it's a thing I always did with passion, you know, fighting. Something that I love. So – it's like, oh, what if I start training? I'm like, oh, let's let's gear up for another one or or whatever. And two months had passed since my last fight, and I didn't miss training at all. I hadn't trained at all. I didn't miss training. I'm like, well, that's what it takes to fight. If I don't miss training, like I'm not gonna miss fighting. And didn't even want to go in the gym. I still actually haven't gone in the gym since my last fight, which is crazy. That was six, seven months ago. Um, I've worked out. Um, little bit not a lot <laughs> but um but like I, I still haven't gone in the gym and that was kind of my tell I was like well if I don't want to go train and I don't even miss training like I'm not going to miss fighting so this is something shared it baby shared it with you hello oh, Damon yep I'm slower oh you're back all right yep. something happened yeah so yeah like I thought that through I let I let these like six months since my last fight like really you know, help me with the decision and see if I missed it. I'd go to fights. I'd been going to fights. I'd been thinking about going to the gym. I didn't want to do any of it. You know, actually now when I go to fights, like I used to always watch fights and be like, Oh my God, like this isn't safe. This is crazy. But I would still have this weird, like excitement that like, it's so crazy. Like I want to fight now. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, this is, you know what I mean? Like I, I would know, like, this is a crazy thing, but like, I love that feeling also of that unknown, like, danger and excitement of just everything about like a live fight but now when i go to a live fight i just watch it and i'm kind of like like wow that's like not me anymore like i can't even picture myself fighting so you know it's been like a, a slow process i mean people ask me like well when did you know like even other fighters i was like everyone's different but like it was just a slow process you know like think about it before the fight you fight and you kind of like it kind of um drives the point home and then obviously you still want to let it go and then um like basically i didn't miss really anything about it like i miss like the people i hang out to and talk to at fights and all that kind of stuff and uh i've been getting to do that so so yeah it was something well thought through you won't see me making another return or anything <laughs> weird 
Uh, last thing I'll talk about for retirement before we talk about uh, UFC 266, I spoke to, four or five days ago, I spoke to Demetrius Johnson, who was kind of like your greatest rival in a way. You guys kind of defined the flyweight division uh, yeah. for years. You know, it was, it was the two of you. And, and Demetrius had, I wish I had the audio, I'd just play it for you right now, but he just said nothing, but he had such great things to say about you, considers you a Love. friend, you know, you guys, he, when we talked, like, he didn't talk about the fights, like, oh yeah, we went to Coldplay together, we did this, we did that, like, just yeah. had, like, fun with you, and and the general response from other fighters and people in the industry is, oh man, Joe is such a good guy, he had such a great career, he's this and that. Do you feel like that might be the biggest legacy you're leaving behind is that people really did love you. Like people respected you and loved you and you left like there's no there was no controversy with Joseph Benavidez meaning like, you know, you didn't you didn't pop for steroids or you didn't do you didn't do dirty things in the cage or you were just like a good dude. And I know that sounds funny to say that, but like you have a good reputation. You're leaving and retiring with one of the best reputations I've ever seen anybody have in this sport. Yeah, it's a nice thing. Yeah, going back to DJ, I'll just say, you know, love that guy. You know, even though we were rivals, it was always like so much out of like a love and challenging. Like you make me a better person because he's a great person as well. But you like make me, you know, like he's a good example for everything, for his family, for being a fighter. And then even just want to get into the actual finding, you know, one of the greatest of all time. So he's always someone I could look at and take inspiration from. And the fact he was a rival and we got to mix it up the times and build this division together and have a part in that was amazing. Um, so like Demetrius, like, I love that guy forever. You know, we're connected in that way. Um, really everyone I fight in a way, you know, you just build this love for him, like Henry Cejudo, you know, like we didn't like each other before the fight, but like the bell rang and we had gone through what we'd gone through, which was the freaking, you know, war of two people in their prime. And, I was like, I love this guy. And like, I'll love him forever now, even though like, if I don't want to go bowling with him, <laughs> or like, I don't like him, like, I love him. But um, anyway, yeah, um, the legacy thing is great. Like, that is important to me, because at the end of the day, like, we're all humans, and we're all more than fighters. Like, it's great to be looked at what I do, but everyone does something, you know, how does the people they do that stuff with think about them how did this team make them feel anything like that that's great you know legacy has always been kind of weird for me because to me legacies like you do everything you want like you have to do anyway but like once you're done like that's your legacy like you can't change it you know in a way i just think like you have no control over your legacy because it's what people think and what people say you know, so you're like lucky when it's good and you're lucky you had a good career, but it's just kind of, um, it's kind of like a factual thing, you know, like, all right, well, that's what people are going to think about me. Oh, well, what's your legacy? Well, that's what I did. So it kind of has to be my legacy. And looking back and seeing that as a part, like, like I hesitated retiring because I like, wasn't ready to like do so many interviews and have these people say this and I didn't want to see what people said, you know, I don't want to people, I didn't know what people were going to say about me, you know, once it was done and I didn't want to do interviews and have all this attention, have to make a post. And that's the reason I held it off for a while. But then once I did actually the interviews, the like cathartic, like experience of getting it all out are great, but all the comments and praise coming in, the thing I kind of like, was scared of and wanted to avoid and was uncomfortable with have honestly been the best, most rewarding parts. 
And those are the parts that make me emotional is, you know, seeing what other people say and seeing just how nice they've been and how people look at me. Cause in a way, like you don't know what people are going to like, you're doing the thing. So you don't know what people are saying or people are doing or people are thinking, you know, you're always just on to the next thing. Um, but to actually look back and see, you know, the professionals and the peers and the fans and anyone I interacted with say good things, um, you know, on top of being a good fighter, like it's so it's amazing. And like, like I said, that's the stuff that got me emotional um, was right when the stuff started pouring in. Like, I thought I was just really good at walking away from things. And I did. I didn't think about it. Even Megan's always like, you can always just make big decisions and like not care about them, not think about them and just walk away from them. Like, yup. And then I thought I was really like, all right, well, I have to announce this and it's just going to be an easy thing. But once the first story started coming in, I just started crying, you know, and like, it wasn't like a sad thing. It was out of happiness. And like, I was proud, like, I'm super proud to look back and see what I did, not even like professionally, but the stuff we were talking about, how people look at me as a person and um yeah man it's been all like a positive thing and it's funny because when you retire like even this week seeing a lot of people i don't think they know how to like like navigate the situation like do i say congratulations like i'm sorry you had to retire how do you take in it but like it's such a happy thing um it's such a joyous thing it's like not an end it's a beginning and uh it's something i can look back and be proud on which i think everyone who starts this sports and retire wants to look back and be proud and feel like they did something and maybe affected some people in a positive way and hopefully just left the sport a better place. Absolutely. Well, in case my opinion hasn't been, you know, crystal clear over the years, you're a freaking legend. So I'll just throw that out there because it's the truth. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, brother. Let's, uh, let's talk uh, another point of our show, of this show, of course, is where we talk about other okay. topics, uh, which is, yeah. uh, you know, UFC 266. You were there. Uh, yeah, at the oh, event, yeah. um, crazy, crazy event, crazy night of fights. Uh, I, I, I rated it an A plus. I thought it was an amazing card. Like one of my, honestly, one of the best cards I've seen in recent history. It was just amazing from the title fights to Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz to, you know, Marab, uh, you know, having that crazy comeback, Jessica Andrade oh. going there doing her thing. Like, I know you tell me you were in the arena. How, how was the energy there? Because it was, it was a crazy good event. Is this okay for the view? Yep, you're good. Okay, cool. Um, man, it was it was amazing. For one, everyone's so fiending for the live sporting events, and there's nothing like a live fight. You know, I think we've been two back at the T-Mobile, a few other live ones, and every live one is just, like, delivered like crazy. But every live event was special. But, yeah, this one was just beautiful. Like I said, you know, you – you had all the people there from international fight week. So you're watching with all your peers and your other peers are just like putting on these crazy, amazing fights. It was, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a special night, like, you know, from those late prelims. Um, that's kind of when I got down into the arena um, part of it and started feeling all the energy. Uh, like the Marab Marais fight was insane. Marab's a freaking rope i don't know he's insane um the main card was all the way through um the mythical part of nate diaz like the unbelievable part about nick diaz about him walking down you know after six years like he's just this mythical creature and 
in a way, like with all this stuff going on during the fight week and all the interviews, like and the move up in the weight class, like you never thought you'd see that again after six years of waiting. But then when the week came, it was kind of like, is this even going to happen? Is this going to get to the fight? Like after him, after him being so raw in all his interviews and knowing how he actually feels about fighting, that elevated the experience of watching him fight to me. Cause you know, what's in his head. Like he poured it out as raw as he could. And just to know, like he still went in there and put on the performance he did. Like that guy was made to fight. And it's just crazy when you see guys like that is like, that's what they do. Like he watches interviews and he's like, this is what I do. Like there's nothing else to me yeah. and even though i don't want to do it like i have to but like there's there's still like this brightness in that it's like he has to and like he was just made to do it and you could see him still kind of having fun and just how he looked better than ever and then if i'm not giving robbery enough credit <laughs> like like i think the the, sh the spotlight was so on nick diaz coming back and he put out that performance and had those interviews and no one knew how he was going to make it and how he was going to fight and then to put on that. But like the person in front of him, Robbie Lawler and how he was fighting and that guy's career and for him to still be doing what he does after what, like 17 years since their last fight. Like that was just a whole nother experience is thinking like, Oh, and then, seen Robbie Lawler still doing it, you know, after all these years, like that was someone I watched on like UFC, you know, VHSs, you know, like a young ruthless Robbie Lawler. And he's still just as ruthless after all these years, looking better against an amazing Nick Diaz. Like that fight was crazy. That felt like round of the year, that first round. And like I said, I don't know if it was kind of the mythical hype, around it seeing two legends just stand in a phone booth and fight so i don't know how it was on tv but in the arena that felt like it was the round of the year like everybody was just in disbelief like silent the whole fight watching it was amazing um to see a champion like valentina always you know incredible just to witness greatness and then the main event was like once again i don't know how it was on tv but watching it live it felt like it felt like something special, like it was a fight of the year um, type of um, type of fight we were watching. Absolutely, absolutely. Let me uh, let, let's go back to Nick Diaz because you know Nick, you know, was so you mentioned so raw and so honest all the way leading up to the fight, saying things like, you know, I don't like fighting, I don't know why I do this, but I'm kind of, I kind of, you know, kind of have to do this, almost like you know, this is what he was born to do, but he doesn't like doing it. But just like the really raw emotion of it, and then going in there, and you know, for anyone, it was so like we're so in such a social media age now, where somebody put out a little clip of him shadow boxing from the UFC promo videos they do backstage with you guys before the fight when they record the video for the pay per view, and everyone's like, oh my god, I'm so worried for Nick because of shadow boxing footage, and I about lost my mind. He goes out there, and, and was it the greatest Nick Diaz performance ever? No, because, you know, he ended up losing, but but I thought he looked good. He threw 300 freaking strikes in, over, in just under just over two rounds, which is insane. And then I think, personally, I think Robbie, you know, and Robbie spoke about this afterwards, Robbie was more motivated to go out there. Robbie, we got to be honest, Robbie was off four losses in a row, and Robbie looked listless in his last couple of fights. He just looked weird. He didn't really seem, like, super enthusiastic about the Covington or the Neil Magny fight. Like, he just didn't seem yeah. like himself. 
And he came out there guns blazing. He came out there looking for a knockout. He came out there like the old school Robbie Lawler. Uh, Nick Diaz brought that out of him. I thought it was an amazing fight. And and listen, if Nick doesn't ever fight again, the guy goes down, you know, as a legend, amazing fighter. And if he does want to fight again, I'll absolutely watch it. Because I don't think we saw a guy who couldn't fight. We just saw a guy who got beat by a better fighter on Saturday night. Yeah. And I think he brought out the best in Robbie. Like, Robbie was obviously motivated, but it was crazy to see that ruthless, violent Robbie Lawler back. And Nick Diaz brought out the best of him with that phone boost style, you know, stand here and fight. And Robbie will welcome that any time. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh Sorry, what what was the question we left on? Just about, just about Nick, well, I Nick mean, or... I don't think Sorry. like I think Robbie looked great, and I don't think yeah. Nick looked bad. Like I said, if Nick wants to fight yeah. again. I'll yeah. watch. Yeah, of course, of course, and you know, there's always great matchups out there for Nick Diaz. Uh, he's a legend. I think anyone would be happy to watch him all the time if you know that's something that he um, is willing to do. But yeah, I think the interviews kind of like shrouded all that made people be like oh well like i hope he doesn't have to fight but i mean i don't know how he feels about it but it looked like he was enjoying himself at least and he says hey i'm like this every fight but i have fun out there and i think every fighter which could relate to that you know i think gsp came out and said something and you know he was like this is one of the best to ever do it and he said like hey like those feelings aren't far off he's just being real with them like and i think a lot of fighters do you know i mean it's a scary thing. You know, the consequences are, you know, grave and it's just, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, you know, but you have to be confident. You're going out to fight another person. You don't have time to show those vulnerabilities or you can't show those vulnerabilities, not only to the fans, but like to the guy that's trying to, you know, kill you across the ring. So, you know, there was a lot put into that and it was very real. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm glad he had fun out there. If he wants to do it again, it's up to him. But, um, you know, um, like, I'll watch 100%. <laughs> yeah. Now, the the co-main event, watching Valentina Shevchenko, you know, style on another top contender. You know, I said this in my post-fight column. I said there's only two things that are going to slow her down. One is complacency, which I don't see her getting. I don't think she's going to suddenly just lose interest in defending her title. And I said the only thing that's going to hurt her is that, you know, she gets a little bit of that – you know, a little bit of that, that syndrome where fighters are so dominant that people kind of maybe lose interest a little bit, kind of like what Anderson Silva, when he was on his run, even John Jones to a certain point, like he was on such an incredible run, you just kind of go into the fights assuming he's going to win and maybe there's a little bit of that. But none of that's Valentina's fault, but it's kind of crazy like how dominant she's been. And, and again, the only person who's even you know come close to beating her in the UFC was Amanda Nunes in those two fights. Um, Valentina is yeah, amazing and, and she's so, she's so good. Like it's, and it's, I, it feels like I'm insulting the other flyweights. I'm not doing that, but, but in all honesty, it feels like the gap between her and everybody else in her division is, is like Grand Canyon wide right now. Yeah, it's hard. Um, I don't know who she said she wanted to, f- if she has an opponent picked out after, Somebody in this room with me maybe interviewed her, but I don't know if she said she wanted to fight somebody else she after, said, if there's anybody. She said it's not up to her. She's ready to fight anyone. Yeah. 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 I just, because I don't see it. So I was actually interested in that question. Like, who does she see <laughs> herself fighting? Because, like, 
I think she's obviously always going to prepare and take every challenge seriously, but like she has to know, like there's not a fight out there or, or her that's like that interesting or looks like it could be a challenge. You know what I mean? And that's, what's just crazy about it. That's like, she's the only person like that. I mean, well, maybe Amanda Nunes in a way too, but yeah, it's just crazy to think like, there's not even a person that like sounds interesting at the moment that she could fight. And, you know, I don't, she's not the type that looks like she lets anything go to her head. She looks like she's confident in her abilities and she knows that, but she looks like somebody that is happy and like proud to prove like, you know, her confidence is, is right. So I don't ever see her getting tired. I don't even, I don't know. It's just going to take somebody else to come along that is a her or a, you know, you see these, fighters you know girl fighters that come along that are like made to fight and born to fight and bred to fight and they still don't really match up to her but you know you see like it's gonna take an amanda nunez you know it's gonna take a you know joanna john jayshik you know like something of that and like those are very very few and far between that you see you know a fighter um like that um so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, what to do, but, you know, once again, like, it's just great also to watch the greatness even sometimes when it's not competitive. Like, it's great to to, to just witness the greatness of her, and, and, uh, and, yeah, we'll see what's next. And the last one, of course, was the featherweight title fight where Alexander oh Volkanovsky God. defended his title. Oh, my God. What a crazy fight. That third round was insane. And and one thing I wanted to bring up and, and mention, and, and, I, and I said this a lot last week, was, you know, Alexander had faced a lot. None, none of it's his fault. He, he, he beat Max Holloway twice. Max is an extremely likable champion, very popular yeah. champion. And the second fight was, was, again, a bit controversial. Very close split decision. I'll be honest, I scored it for Max, but I take nothing away from Alexander. But he's kind of been living under that cloud of, like, the Max Holloway division. And I think this fight really finally helped him separate himself a little bit because, man, he had to go through some adversity in this fight. Brian Ortega brought it to him, and he had to, I mean... It was it was incredible, and I feel like this is the fight. Weirdly, like even though he has two wins over Max Holloway, I feel like this is the win that's going to help define Alexander Volkanovsky as the best featherweight in the sport. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, and um, yeah, it's crazy because you think you know there's controversy in the Max fights, which I didn't feel there was really a controversy in the first one after watching. No, I didn't. I love Max. Like Max is my favorite fighter to watch. Um, Love him as a person. You know, obviously Volkanovski is a very likable person too, but like I like have a relationship and like love Max. And I was like, well, he lost that first fight, maybe, you know, every every round, if not, you know, 1-1. The second fight was a little closer, um, but you still got to give it to him. But like you said, with that kind of shrouded over the victories and then him coming out on this one, like, as a, like, it's all about the fans, you know, and them loving what you do. Max is so likable that if you beat him, ah, oh, no way. You know, if you beat him in a controversy, oh, they even, you know, shun him more because Max is that just lovable person. But when you go out and do something like this that the fans are going to love, win or lose, um, that's when, you know, pe- that's when you're going to blow up and people are going to respect everything you, you did in that fight, but also everything you've done and look at him as like, oh, wow, this guy is legit. He comes to fight because... 
you know, he was so tactical in those max fights. And I think he showed like the heart and all the grit and um, fighter heart in this fight. I mean, on top of Ortega also, um, like we can't even mention the heart that guy has is crazy is incredible. So yeah, but like, I don't know. I think you said it spot on. Like this is the fight that's going to be like Volkanovski is the world champion as if like beating Max and everyone he did before and 20, 20, you know, fight win streak wasn't enough to prove you're the best in the world. Like, it's funny, like a close war, but a fan friendly war, like that's what's going to finally make people say, wow, this guy is legit, like best in the world. Like, can't wait to see him fight again. So um, that's what it takes sometimes, you know, the sport's crazy, but I'm glad that's what it took because I was there to witness it. And like, again, I don't know, as a media member and watching on TV, like I think every fight's so great. And sometimes like fights are so good live and you don't really realize what's happening. But like, is that in discussion, like fight of the year? Type? Oh, it's gotta be. Right? I mean, it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's gotta it be. I mean, it, yeah, yeah I, I haven't I haven't gone back and looked at all the rest of the fights this year just because I'm, I'm living track. in recency <laughs> bias. You know, I'm living in the prisoner of the moment but i do believe that right now would probably be my pick for fight of the year round of the year it's so crazy too because earlier in the night i would have said marab and marlin that first round was gonna be round of the year when marlin had him hurt almost down and then marab comes back and almost finishes him i was like oh my god this is the greatest round i've ever seen and then you know an hour later <laughs> here's round three between volkanovsky and ortega which was an incredible round it's like this is this is insane like this is what this is why these kind of fights, this kind of event is why I love the sport. Like this just makes yeah. me fall in love with the sport all over again because like that card was so freaking good it that it, it was just everything was everything was great. The prelims were great, the main card was amazing, the main event was amazing. Like that's one of those events where, like we'll be talking about, you know, a year from now we'll still be thinking about UFC 266. Oh yeah, and it's great when everything comes together like that. You have this live event, you have International Fight Week. People come from around the world to watch it. There's all this buildup of the ultimate fighter. And then it lives up to the hype. Like that always makes it so much more amazing. Um, I actually didn't see because um, anything about the bonuses, but like, how did, how do you even work that out? Who got them? Like what happened? Like, did they make them bigger because they should have like, what happened? Do you, it was you know? uh, Volkanovski and Ortega got fired the night. I believe, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, it was Marab and Chris Dacus got the performance bonuses. Dacus for his knockout over Shamil Abdurakimov, and then uh, and then okay. Marab's win over Marlon Marais. I believe those are the, the bonuses. I know Volkanovski and Ortega got fired the night. Grand, they kept him at fifty as well. They kept him 50, 50 grand, I believe. Yeah, dude. They That's all one of those. Did. That's that one of those insane. cards where you really hope Dana is just like just just busting out the checkbook because there were so many yeah, like, like Andrade I mean, fi finishing finishing Cynthia Calvillo was ridiculous. Robbie finishing Nick was ridiculous. Uh, Dan Hooker just for traveling halfway around the world even make his fight was ridiculous and Nazrat for that matter they put on a show. Yeah. Uh, you know Matthew yeah. Simmelsberg with that 15 second knockout in the early part of the card like it was just ridiculous. It was a ridiculous night of fights. Yeah, dude, that was crazy. I was just like, wow, like, I don't know how these bonuses are going to work. And I never caught up, you know, because I jumped on a red eye and <laughs> tried to do that. But, um, yeah, man, that was that was a special night. Like, again, like, you see it and you hear people say it all the time, but, like, you just said it best and there's no other way to say it. It's like, those are the nights that make you, like, 
you know, love the sport even more. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, Joe, you know, you're always a busy guy uh, with a lot of different endeavors. Now you actually have a little bit of, you know, what I'll say yeah. is downtime, not really downtime, but you actually have a little bit of downtime. So what are the next moves for you? Have you, have you had any thoughts? Do you get to break any, break any news about what's going to be next for you? What you're going to be doing? Not really news because it's kind of like, like I said, like I don't have pressure like to have to just jump in to do something, you know, I wish I like, I mean, like if I did, I could say, Hey, you know, I'm going to take on an assistant coaching job in Vegas or, you know, I'll be opening my own gym or anything like that. But it's like, I'm not really like at that point where I have to jump in and do something, you know, like fighting is something I made an amazing um, life and career out of, but it was something that I, that it was a passion at first, you know, and it, 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 it became this and it made me happy and it challenged me every day. So that's, that's all I want to do, man. And, um, coming to this, like with my wife and you know how she's working and it's just like, just like, I don't care what you do, like just whatever makes you happy, honestly. So, um, when she asked me like, what would you want to do if there was anything in the world? And I was like, honestly, nothing. <laughs> and then, and then she's like, really? And I was like, yeah, like, if, like if all our bills and everything is good, like, look, I had, I was lucky. I had a great career. I'm lucky. You know, I was able to be good with my money. I lucky. I was able to make good investments that like I could like, I could live on like, it's fine. But I was like, I would just do nothing and just like do whatever I want, wake up and like sit by the pool, listen to an album, watch a movie. And if I feel like doing something that day, do it. But then I did nothing for like, probably two months and i was just i hated myself like i was so <laughs> bored i was literally like there's nothing else i can listen to or watch i hate everything like there's no more <laughs> i can't get any more tan i like can't swim another lap like please lord like give me something to do so <laughs> that's when i got the book out and i was like all right this is um you know the thing with me like you mentioned like i the hard thing is i have so many interests so to narrow all those interests down into something that is almost like, you know, that people are going to care about and be, you know, a business in whatever way, or just a little more like digestible is a whole nother thing. So I got there and I kind of wrote everything down. It was just like, all right, these are things I can work on right away. You know, these are things that like, oh, these are like long-term like dreams, but like something that like we can work towards. This is stuff I can get in the works for have to talk to some people have to make some connections you know hustle whatever it may be and just kind of figure that out but there was a ton of things man raring from like just printing art to still doing stuff within the sport you know not necessarily coaching or analyzing or anything but other little things that have to do with the sport um that i think i can add value um in a way like my perspective as a fighter and just my perspective as a person could add value to the sport in other ways so you know, I have meetings with departments and stuff about how I can help with that. Just my own art stuff, my own interests as far as like movies, music, travel, all that kind of stuff goes. Um, and then like long term, like businesses to actually run that I'm interested in that have nothing to do with a jujitsu gym or a fight gym or anything. So, yeah, man, it's just finding what makes me happy. And that's kind of what it is. And turning that passion into something like I do, like, um, like I did with fighting. So yeah, that's, 
that's really the best I can explain it. Um, no, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Well, I know one yeah. thing you're going to be doing in November that I need, I need to hear about because there's a movie coming out in November by a guy that I turned you on to, a guy by the name of Jim Cummings. Uh, he did The Wolf of Snow Hollow. The beta test. The beta test coming out in November. I got to hear your thoughts. I'm so excited this movie's coming out. And I know I know you're going to go see it. I know I'm going to go see it. Uh, I'm very interested to hear your, your review when you see that one. Bro, I'm so pumped about that movie. Dude, like how I said I did nothing for two months. Um, like, so since those two months took place, I was like, all right, I got to do something. Even if it's just like waking up and like, going to an internship or a class or like something to learn. Like I have to do something. So I haven't watched movies like really in like two months a lot. Like I still watch TV cause that's what me and my wife do. And we watch TV, you know, we have some shows and stuff that we do, but like, I haven't sat down and watched movie cause I was like, like all I did was sit for like months, like since my fight. So anyway, but when the later of the year starts getting around, you get excited for these movies to come out. Beta test is one. I can't wait to see that with Jim Cummings. Like Thunder Road is still one of like the movies I'll recommend to anyone that asks because I feel it is such in its own universe um, of movies as far as, and I love like a write, uh, written, directed, acted um, movie by anyone. And Jim Cummings is like the best, most exciting person doing it out there right now. He's one of the most exciting directors in general right now in movies, his whole style, his whole attitude and what he's doing. Um, like he's an exciting, exciting voice in cinema. Um, just, you know, two movies um, being the third in. But the trailer for Paul Thomas Anderson. A legend of the game that just came out today. And I've already watched the trailer like five times. And it's literally taking over my mind like all day. Like I can't stop thinking about it, talking about it. Um, I'm so excited for any Paul Thomas and Thomas Anderson movie for him to be working with Bradley Cooper. Amazing. But the thing that excites me about that is he has two non-actors, non-actors, but names in the leads. Um, so he's using Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, Cooper Hoffman, who's never acted before as a lead. And then Alana Heim from the band Heim, which I love. And I just saw in concert a week ago. Um, they're the two leads and neither of them have acted. It's just amazing. But they both, you know, like people know Heim from Heim and they're a Los Angeles band. So it makes sense. But the Heim PTA crossover is amazing to me. And then it's like, oh, my God. But then the Philip Seymour Hoffman's son in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie who, you know, his his father worked with PTA so many to see them work together. I mean, I'm sure he's been on set when his dad was working in a PTA movie and like stuff when you can look deeper into that, like that touched my heart. And then I just want to say one more thing about, I don't know what's better and it's a small thing, but um, Heim, the band has an Instagram account, right? And they post the PTA trailer because one of the sisters is in the movie and um it's like coming soon and i was like this is amazing that heim the band is posting a pta trailer because one of the sisters is in the movie but the best thing almost to me about it is you know how it shows like liked by yeah like the post is liked by and it was liked by tim robinson who's like my hero and has taken over my life for like 
two years with his sketch comedy series, I think you should leave. And he liked it. So like my mind just exploded. Like after that, I was like, I'm the band, Paul Thomas Anderson. And then Tim Robinson like knows about both of this happening and follows the Heim sisters. Like I was like, and likes as I was just like, dude, this is too much greatness for me. What's happening. But anyway, that's all it. The, so that, all the that, worlds, all the worlds are colliding, colliding, bro. And I was just like, this, this is too much. And it was just such an unexpected crossover. Like uh, I was just like, Oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to like cry tears of joy down by the ocean later. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I was just about to bring up the PTA trailer. I was, I knew you'd be excited about that. Talk about timing that we're doing an interview on the day that the PTA bro. trailer comes out amazing well uh yeah, joe uh i i appreciate you doing this today i'm gonna let you get back to your day uh make sure to say hello to the quote for me i know she's around there somewhere yeah. uh oh, yeah. and and uh, obviously thank you for doing this i really do appreciate it. i'm sure we'll have you back on in the near future but thank you for this Please. and and uh let's catch up again soon okay dude let's get on and talk about um if you ever have an episode we want to wrap up the anything movies of the year um albums of the year i try to keep up with but you know um have a few i like um if, if any award shows watch them all um oscars oscar predict like if you ever have a an episode uh, any episode where you want to talk about some shit i got a hot take on everything so you know <laughs> i feel like let's, let's i feel like that. the i feel like the oscar 2022 preview is going to be like our jam i feel like that's going to be like the full-on like jam where we're just going to do a full-on prediction episode for that one and talk about movies of the year i feel like that's just gonna happen that would be great <laughs> we have to Absolutely. yeah movie wreck any anything bro so yeah I'm, I'm always pumped to talk to you man you're one of the great guys and um and someone i can call a friend that i've met in this industry which is great and you know when people say like oh he's always been nice to me or like oh when i met joe he was always this or always that like we were talking about earlier i'm like i'm just lucky like i met people that i want to talk to all the time like there's so many i met cool people in the industry that like i want to talk to or do this with or do that you know what i mean so you're one of them brother and like i appreciate you so Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, Joe. We'll talk soon, okay? You know it, brother. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah. The great Joseph Benavidez, obviously, always a pleasure to have him on uh, on the fighter versus the rider. And uh, he used to talk to him about his retirement. Of course, break down some UFC 266 action. And I want to say a big thank you, of course, to everyone tuning in this week. We'll be back with another edition of the Fighter versus the Rider next week. We've got a big uh, fight in the flyweight division coming up next week in between Mackenzie Dern and um, um, uh, Marina Rodriguez. That's a great fight. Of course, this weekend, Tiago Santos and Johnny Walker. Uh, all leading to later this month, we got back-to-back pay-per-views coming up. UFC 267, Jan Blahovich. And Glover Teixeira, and uh, and then leading into UFC 268 with Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington, and lots more to come for that down the road. Uh, make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those places. And, of course, you can always find the podcast over on MMAfighting.com. If you have questions, comments, anything you want, uh, anything you want to get on the show, anybody you want to get on the show, anyone you want to hear on the show, Feel free to hit me up on Twitter. You can follow me at Damon Martin. And we will see you guys next week for another edition of The Fighter vs. The Writer. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you then.
Vox Media Podcast Network.